George Kokolas and Virginia Dooley. Teacher's Coffee, another episode. Uh, eventually, we have reached the ninth episode of the sixth season. Unfortunately, I don't have Gina with me today because she had a, an imponderable condition that she had to attend. So it was uh, things that uh, you cannot simply schedule and they are happening. So we could not postpone the appointment with today's guest, which is... Uh, who is someone very, very special, I think, and I'm sure that you're going to enjoy the chat with her. And today we have with us uh, from Romania, Armanda Stroya. Am I pronouncing this correctly, Armanda? Yes. Hello. Hello, George. And thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's an honor to, to be here. Amazing. And I think um, we need to inform the listeners that uh, this podcast maybe is the production in a way or the outcome of a, a very short uh, meeting that we had during the ELT Council event in Malta last October. Uh, actually, it was a little bit unfortunate because we were competing each other. So I didn't have the chance to attend your talk and you didn't have the chance to attend mine. But, but the feedback was so amazing that I was really intrigued by what you do. I've read a lot of things about you. I have seen some examples of your work. So I thought, uh, yeah, we should have a podcast with this lady, and that's why you are here today. And I would like to thank you for accepting this invitation. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting. It's an honor, honor to be here. And it's exciting that uh, uh, when first I found out about this podcast, I usually listen to podcasts, personal development ones. Mm -hmm. But I was excited because teachers do have the opportunity to have a voice and to connect. That's amazing. So exactly. Congratulations. And and in a pretty, in pretty informal way, because uh, yeah. I think that's when you're having coffee with a friend or somebody you know, uh, you might be more open, more laid back. So uh, exactly. honestly, honestly, you know, I think that since you brought it up, the and I don't want to sound like you know boasting about what we do here, but uh, this podcast can really elicit great information. Uh, in with this informal uh, style that they have because people can actually unwind and tell us many things. And that's what I intend to do with you as well here today. Uh, I would like to start with, with the basics. Um, to tell you the truth, I was, I was really impressed uh, in a very good way uh, with this doctor uh, abbreviation that you have in front of your name uh, in the conferences. So Armanda Stroya is a doctor, of course, but uh, when when we started chatting with each other and you told me that you also teach uh, at, a, at a school in Romania, uh, that what really intrigued me even more. So you are a doctor, you are a frontline teacher, uh, you are an international presenter. Uh, I know that you are an avid reader, but I would like you now to give us a brief introduction of yourself. Because this is what I know simply by reading bios and after, you know, chatting just a couple of times. I want your opinion on your introduction to our listeners today. Okay, sure. Well, actually, even if it sounds funny, um, this is a question, a difficult question for me because I ask myself almost every day, 5, 5.30 a.m. when I wake up, 
who am I and what can I do to be a better person, you know, a better teacher, a better researcher, a better mom. So um, I'm trying to find the answer to my question as well. But um, I've been uh, teaching English as a foreign language in a state school in Romania for almost a decade and a half now, <laughs> if I'm thinking well. And I'm striving to, to keep my enthusiasm for teaching and learning alive, my passion, my energy, my commitment, first of all, to, to make um, my learners um, not, not only um, happier, but to offer them a truly transformative learning experience, right? to, um, to help them become, I know, uh, confident, to not only to develop their language skills, their English skills, but also their emotional um, agility, if I am to use a concept from one of my favorite books, uh, Dr. Susan Davis' book, Emotional Agility. Okay, So even if these two areas sound a bit apparently disconnected, digital literacy and emotional literacy, I'm trying to somehow bring them together through teaching English. And um, I have a bachelor's degree in Romanian and English, a master's in translation studies and a PhD in linguistics with a thesis on uh, linguistic cliché in Romanian mass media. And I've been, it's been quite a tough journey, like a challenging one, six years. It took me six years to, to finish my PhD. And um, I managed to, I know, to reinvent myself, I guess. It's been challenging because I had uh, also, um, I had to teach. I had a nine month um, toddler who was, imagine constantly, uh, trying to steal my drafts and my pens and me trying to focus. Um, but I had to, I know, become uh, better at planning, right? Um, I used to uh, learn how to use Pomodoro technique to wake up early, to have my time for myself, to, to do the research. And I fell in love with research, actually, <laughs> while doing this. Um, I've also had the opportunity to have a scholarship in Italy, near Rome, to finish my uh, uh, thesis, because I needed that time for myself to, to be able to, I know, crystallize my notes, my ideas, everything I've read so far. Uh, but I still remember um, that uh, it was a really productive time, me running uh, near the walls, the Roman walls, and then writing and reading. It was really exciting. And difficult at the same time, but it was worth it. And um, what else? In, um, in the beginning of my teaching journey, let's say, my second year, I had a chance to, to win a Comenius scholarship. Back then, it was an Erasmus. It was Comenius in Exeter, I remember. It was my first time uh, going in England, and I was fascinated. And I applied uh, it was a practical course how to I was wondering how can I help my teacher my students um, become fluent and use their English naturally and I needed all those practical approaches and then um, I started writing um, for my school for my institution a project that was an Erasmus project with five different mobilities in Portugal, in Spain, in England, at Cambridge, um, for, for, to help my teachers develop digital skills and language skills. 
And basically, I was the project manager for one year. And I loved the fact that I could give my colleagues a chance to to participate to courses, to attend courses abroad. So this is a really good opportunity. Uh, even now, there are these Erasmus Opportunities projects. And I know lots of my English teachers are trying to, to apply. Only that now it's a bit different. You have to apply on behalf of your institution. So you can't apply like an individual scholarship. And um, what else? I um, In terms of my teaching strategies or techniques, I, I'm um, interested in um, applying like um, media, st student produced videos. This is my, uh, my favorite project and really close to my heart. I've been researching it for almost three years now. We will come to that. Yeah. But before, let me make a comment about this introduction, which, you know, it may, it may sound like someone talking about herself, but I think it's totally, totally the opposite because here we do not see somebody or just an academic or a teacher who likes studying or reading. I think that the right word here is embodiment. And I think this should be the, 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 the objective, the goal for every educator, not simply to know or study or um, consolidate some piece of knowledge or present the thesis or a PhD, but become the very same embodiment of what he or she preaches. And this is exactly what I can see with you. And I can see why this makes you, I think, a fascinating person. Because it's not that you only have a theory and a passion and you pursue it. You actually make it like everyday life. I mean, all these things that you mentioned, that you wake up at 5.30, that you went to Rome, that you had to do a PhD with a nine-month toddler. This, this is exactly the embodiment. And of course, uh, as I can see right now in the background, of course, our listeners cannot see you mentioned something that is mentioned in that book by Carol Dweck regarding mindset. If the teacher does not have this enthusiasm, this zest for learning, and if it's not embodied, then he simply cannot show the path to other students. And I think you have made this motto part of your life and career. And that's why now um, I think you are reaping the rewards by having this acceptance. And I think I think you 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 look like a teacher that many students would like to have in their class okay so <laughs> that's um, very kind of you of course and you mentioned the um, uh, production of videos by students and that was exactly your presentation in malta which i missed uh, however this brings me back i don't know uh, i i guess that um we need to go back to this uh, proactive mode that you had regarding multimodality and maybe the first thing I should ask you, why multimodality? Why did you choose to um, deal more seriously with this topic? Could it be because you sensed that it was something that your students really needed? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Actually, um, I've been blessed to work with learners from various ages, um, 6 to 14, 15 years old, so teenagers. And what I noticed... Um, I noticed when the the older they get, they lose their I know that genuine joy and special sparkle of curiosity from their eyes. That that curiosity for learning, the older they get. And I was thinking, what can I do? What can I do to I don't know to um, spark 
that curiosity again and that, that um, enthusiasm for learning. And I was thinking, what makes them feel alive? What makes them tick, you know? And I, I was trying to think like digital natives because I was thinking, well, they they must be digital natives. So let me see. They That means they love videos. They watch a lot of YouTube videos, um, um, well, even TikTok, whatever. And I was thinking, how can I do to, I know, exploit from a pedagogical point of view um, this reality, because it is uh, certain that they spend a lot of time consuming. And unfortunately, uh, I don't want them to be just passive consumers you know, of media. I want uh, I wanted them to become active, active producers, um, because video has been used in the class and um, usually expert generated videos. Right. And um, usually from a passive point of view, so they ask some answer, watch a video, answer some questions, maybe do something. And uh, learning by doing, actually, I think is the most meaningful part. So I was thinking, well, I have a great idea. I'm going to challenge them to create videos, tutorials, vlogs, uh, trying to explore all these uh, sorts of uh, video genre uh, because they love it. I came across some statistics really, I think for two or three years ago, that uh, people watch one billion you know, videos on YouTube and they uh, 500 hours of video content is uploaded in only one minute. Um, I think even more now and on TikTok even more than that. So uh, it is incredible. So I was thinking, of course, it's normal that video has reshaped the way our learners learn and get entertainment and information. So I think that our mission as teachers is to try to adapt and to exploit this, but from a pedagogical point of view. So I think, okay, yeah, I have a great idea. Let's see how it works. I was really excited. Uh, I was thinking it would be sure a hit, right, with my learners. And I go to the classroom three years ago and I tell them they seem to be interested. But when I have the the, the task returned, just a few of them returned the videos. And I, I was wondering why, why not more? You are supposed to be digital natives, right? Why aren't you creating videos? But the problem was that this is just a myth, right? Uh, it was a term popularized um, two decades ago by Pransky, as everyone knows, but it's misunderstood. Not Even if they are uh, young, and if they have grown up with technology, basically. Born after the 1980s, he says. <laughs> yeah. <I think>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, does this mean that they are digitally literate? Just because they have, I don't know, uh, they know how to use uh, and to navigate through a variety of apps, uh, gadgets, devices. Does this mean that they are digitally literate? What does it mean? What does it mean to be digitally literate? Actually, it is a set of key skills uh, more than just using, I, I don't know, passively consuming information. Uh, you need to be able, able to critically decode, create, you know, to collaborate. So there are, of course, uh, a lot of skills involved here. So I realized, no, it's not true. They are not, not all of them are digital natives. Uh, but there are in every class, you can find two or three learners who are really confident and know how to use. So, so 
I started delving into research. And um, unfortunately for uh, lower secondary, there wasn't research in this area, uh, but for tertiary education, for university. And I tried to adopt and apply for uh, primary and lower secondary some ideas. For example, to set a peer mentor system, which means you go into the classroom, find um, two or three digitally confident uh, students and uh, empower them to become, um, you know, the expert. And they uh, create a tutorial and they teach their uh, colleagues, their peers, how to use uh, editing software, for example, in order to create those videos. So that was the first step. <laughs> Basically, I had to uh, give them all the possibility to, to know how to handle this. You have to have in mind some key elements. So this is the uh, functional, the functional part. You know, you have to know how to use the video editing software. Software, and uh, some of the teachers attending my workshops were telling me these are great ideas, but I'm afraid to use technology. I'm not good at it, right? And I was, I used to tell them, no worries, that's perfect. I, I'm not you no know, technology savvy either, but I trust my learners. I find those learners and I empower them so they can basically um, teach their colleagues how to use them. And they find a voice, they, they feel confident, they feel important. This is the first step. Um, actually, when I, I had a project with a Mexican friend, um, Heidi, we did this online and then we had online tutorials, <laughs> some students teaching them how to use uh, video editing software. And then you have to uh, think about um, other parts. You have to think about why do you want to use student-produced videos, first of all? Do you want to use it, uh, I don't know, for a communicative purpose, to empower your learners to find their voice, or maybe to give them a chance to reflect because you can also use video-based diaries, to record themselves on a topic. Then other questions you, you have to have in mind what are um, what learner outcomes do you want to have? You have to think about the stages. You have to think about um, students' interactions. Do you want to have uh, videos produced by one student or uh, by teams of students? And that's the most exciting part, actually, when you encourage them, because I always give them this option to work in teams. Because uh, I can assign them roles. One is really good at English can be uh, can proofread the storyboard because they have to write a storyboard. Uh, one who is confident in front of the screen can be the actor. Okay, uh, the other person who is good at uh, media can be the media expert. So basically, you form a team, and uh, they learn also to develop these soft skills, which, which are um, on demand right now. Uh, how to collaborate, how to work together how to assign, you know, uh, how to manage their time. This is also uh, a really important thing. After that, uh, you need to consider also uh, some common fears uh, some teachers might have. Mm -hmm. um, with parents, you definitely need to have the parents' um, consent, informed consent, if you're working especially with young learners. This is the first <laughs> point. And... Um, also to think about the length of the video, no long videos, short, one minute, two minute maximum. 
because it's really difficult to edit and it takes a lot of time. Then you have to think about the feedback also. Uh, well, and where you where do you put your videos? At the beginning, mm-hmm. I encourage my students to send me the videos, and they send me you send me on Teams and WhatsApp and every possible channel, and I felt overwhelmed because I didn't know where to look. I said, okay, that's not good. <laughs> I have to yeah. find something else, a, a one platform. So I chose Flipgrid or Flip. It's a really good platform or Seesaw where you can upload videos and they can um, they can communicate, they can write comments. So I would definitely suggest, encourage teachers who, who are, I know, um, thinking to apply this to choose one platform, not multiple platforms. Absolutely. Um, I didn't want to interrupt your flow because practically you answered all my questions. Uh, but I'm going to give a very brief uh, recap. I think this is a, a wonderful dynamic process that you have just described because there are so many uh, overlapping good things happening and learning processes at the same time. A lot of collaboration, as you said, a lot of practice of soft skills. Um, a lot of, um, uh, how can I say it, language development as well. And at the same time, uh, maybe development of digital skills, which are absolutely necessary today. Either we want it or like it or not. It's the way that people communicate today. But um, I'm, I'm going to get to, I'm going to continue this recapping. But my question in the middle is, do you sense that they do enjoy this process? Or can you tell me about how do the students feel while doing this? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for this question. Well, um, they feel engaged, truly engaged. And um, they come to me and tell me, teacher, teacher, I've worked, I know, I've been working for two, three, four hours for this video, one to meet, but I feel so happy. And they, they want to share with me uh, the, the product, the, the outcome, and to share with their colleagues, most of them. Of course, there are cases with uh, shyer students. Um, maybe they just want to use their voice because there are different types of videos. But um, at a certain moment, one of my learners told me, Teachers, teacher, you are not our teacher if you don't challenge us to create something again, something interesting in a video format. And uh, actually, I collaborate with them. I always uh, do a brainstorming session because I'm trying first time when I implemented the first video, short video festival in English in my school two years ago. We try to explore different types of videos from the so uh, from slime tutorials because then back then it was. Um, hit for my learners so even these serious types like mini documentaries i had some seventh grade learners who were passionate about history and guess what they actually created a mini documentary about the revolution 1989 revolution from romania they went even to um interview their grandparents they uh, translated in english and uh they uh, researched because basically uh, they developed their research skills as well uh, about that period and um, in order to make it um, compelling and really interesting. And I was amazed. So don't be afraid to I know, to take this risk because some teachers are afraid to empower their learners. They, they, they might feel that they might lose their control. 
No, but you don't have to be afraid because amazing things happen and you will be amazed by how curious, how creative they become. Then um, another, other students um, created a first aid emotional kid video tutorial, especially in the pandemic. Um, we were talking about what would you put in this kit? And they said, okay, teacher, can, can we create a tutorial, a video tutorial? Because if you work, if you work and train them um, from a young age, then for them it becomes easier and easier. And maybe uh, teachers following us would like to know, I know different editing apps they my learners use. They use Filmora, um, Copcat. Um, they, I know, even Canva, even Canva for video editing. And I love the fact that they, I know, they, they're not afraid. They say, okay, teacher, we are going to, to experiment even with podcasts. They said, maybe we can try even podcasts to, to do it on a certain topic. Um, another type uh, of favorite genre was weather forecast. And I know if you saw some of the videos from my learners, but they were actually recreating the whole studio <laughs> there. And they were mm. using special effects, uh, which, um, you know, um, rain and snow, and it was really amazing to to watch their uh, videos. Far from or beyond these special effects and sounds, I um, first I felt like I was blindfolded because I was discovering every step, step by step, everything I had to do. I realized that they need to have a storyboard, so it's better for them in order to have a better video to brainstorm the ideas to write them down to use i know the images and special effects they want to use them you know along with the lines and then to to rehearse until the the storyboard gets accepted by the director okay so just to take it seriously oh uh, what else the second year i experimented with this um, festival video festival it was the pandemic year and then we tried something creative, like uh, something reflective. We tried to uh, develop their awareness and reflective skills. And I was asking them, what, what would it be if you could talk to your earlier self before the pandemic? And what pieces of advice would you give to your younger self? And um, I, of course, it's important to give them models. And I have some really good students who are always eager to create some models <laughs> so I can share them with the other students. And then they, it's like in a competition, they're trying to put it even better to create even a more engaging video. Um, and then they were filming different aspects of themselves, talking to each other face to face. And it was uh, really inspiring. That's, that's really wonderful. That's really wonderful. And maybe you gave me a hint for the roast question that's gonna come in the end. But before this, um, let's assume that uh, you have a teacher who, despite his or her fears, uh, they come to you and they say, look, we want to do this. What would be tomorrow, like tomorrow? We need to start tomorrow. What would be the first uh, advice that you would give to them? What would be the first things that they should do in order to make this happen? So, <laughs> interesting question. Uh, so, if they want to start tomorrow, 
to mm-hmm. implement student produced videos in their teaching in, the, in their classroom. Well, now I have lots of resources, and um, because I've, I've been working a lot and um, creating all sorts of from video observation worksheets to storyboard examples and videos. But the most important thing is um, is to offer models and support. So basically, you cannot just go into the classrooms and tell your students, okay, let's create a, a very interesting video on this topic, because it doesn't work like this. Um, you have to first to uh, show them a model to tell them about the platform you're going to use to, uh, to explain that there are certain stages they have to follow, because our learners can't just go on the internet, take any uh, picture they want, any song, and put it in their video just because it's there is. So they basically they need a sort of training, like <clears throat> media training. Uh, <coughs> sorry. For example, they need to uh, know which websites to use to download images, pre-copyright images like Pexels or Unsplash. There are many websites. They need to know also uh, how long the video is going to be. <laughs> Sorry, my voice. No worries, no worries. <laughs> of course, you, you've been talking too much. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, um, I've been uh, teaching nonstop today. So. Absolutely. Tell me something else, Armanda. Um, is there a website or something where they can actually find these references? Yes, uh, actually, I have um, a website. Uh, X to Inspire actually is an acronym for Academy of Creators who teach to inspire. And there I have uh, lots of articles and um, ready-made resources and templates for storyboards. They can actually use them in the classroom. I also have um, a lesson plan on a student-produced video because I think I forgot to tell you that it's a very important aspect to celebrate their work. So they, they invest so much energy and creative effort. And it's not enough just to watch I don't know, one minute at their video and that's enough. You have to find some opportunities to celebrate your work. That's why I was thinking about implementing the video festival. Organize a video festival in your, in your school. Gather the uh, learners and teachers, uh, parents to, to be the audience so they can celebrate their work. Then uh, you can also use some of their student-produced videos in a lesson. Why not? Um, I have a lesson plans uh, with all the stages. How can you, from the pre- uh, from using snapshots from the video to predict the topic, then going on to, after you watch the video, to maybe analyze, exploit the language, or to be a social media expert and to write the intro, because any YouTuber knows you have to have an intro there. Um, you can also uh, use the hashtag activity. I think I um, found out about this activity from, from Sarah Jones. Basically, you try in a keyword to, um, I don't know, to, to capture the essence of the video. If it's a science video, if it's a tutorial, motivational uh, video. Uh, you, and then you can um, challenge them in the end to to be creative and now after they have the model to try to uh, create their own video, individual or a team. I always uh, give this this chance to to select 
to to choose the way of working and interacting that's amazing that's amazing and uh are there any can you give us the name of the website where they can find all these yes sure sure uh i can send you or i can tell you it's uh, maybe act. you can tell us because yes uh it's uh act to inspire.com and that's a wonderful title act for inspire. A yes <laughs> i think it's like my um you know my logo um, I, I'm trying every day to and to find something and to do something to inspire uh, those around me and to to keep our enthusiasm alive to find Absolutely. out yeah, what makes us happy and alive and I think and that creating is important. <laughs> absolutely, you know, if if it's only theory, um, then you know it uh, it simply uh, you know doesn't doesn't make any sense. It, might, it has to go out there. It has to be tested. It has to. To fight, it has to pass the test. It has to uh, win and and fail and go and continue this continuous process of creativity, which is really amazing. And I think you do inspire it through your work. Um, any future conferences that you are planning to attend, so people may come and attend your talk. Thank you. Well, um, I applied to Tissol Greece, and uh, I unfortunately I skipped the ITFL this year. Uh, could, I had a lot of work and I mm -hmm. forgot about the deadline I wanted to. And in Portugal, I was invited also at API. API. Portugal, yeah. yes. I'm thinking, I think it's in May. There. Uh, Wonderful. And... Okay, now, are you ready for the roast question? Because even Zina is not here. Um, I think I should, I should actually... Uh, sure. are, yeah, that, that's your speciality, you know, these roast questions. But I think I have a, a good one for you. I want you to tell me what was the most, if I am to use uh, the, the adjective, the most um, original, awkward video that you may have received by a, by a student. Something which is out of the ordinary and something that for a reason is stuck on your mind uh for a long period of time the feedback you said in terms of feedback uh, i mean no regarding the topic i mean what was the most awkward video that you received from a student oh, the most awkward video yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or maybe a fail video or something that made you laugh uh... ah yeah now i remember actually i was um I was in Belfast uh, last year at the conference, mm -hmm. and uh, I was supposed to present there. And before my presentation, believe it or not, I got another video from my students. I said, teacher, teacher, we finished another video. Can we send it to you? I said, okay, <laughs> of course, why not? And <clears throat> it was a creative video. Some of my um, learners, girls from seventh grade, uh, they create like a, a sort of a play. Uh, basically, they uh, were going to a doctor of emotions to treat them of their negative emotions and anxiety and worries. And because we we talked a bit about ants, I know. And uh, if you're familiar, I, I've asked my learners, uh, how many ants have you recently had in your head? And they were looking at me like, what? Is our teacher okay or <laughs> not? Mm -hmm. Okay, I said, no, 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 it's just a term meaning automatic negative thoughts from cognitive behavior therapy. And um, our learners or 
are not aware of negativity bias. That's why they're always maybe say, I'm not good, I'm afraid to speak, you know, all these hardwired negative patterns. And I had this brainstorming session with them, and but I didn't expect because I didn't set this task. And they loved the ideas of ants and to adopt pets, positive empowering thoughts. And I said, okay, let's let's create a surprise for teacher. And they sent me like going to the doctor of emotion. They were knocking at the door, uh, having an interview and putting some music. Then that they felt you know depressed and they had many ants in their head. Uh, they even had ants throwing ants. Yeah. Yeah, so basically they deconstructed this metaphor and into a, to a video. Amazing. And that was really interesting. For, um, yeah, I didn't expect, because it was unexpected. I didn't set this challenge this time. Other types of challenges, yes, but this one was totally unexpected. These are also the results of this um, creative mode that you inspire all the time. So, yeah, you may, you may have a lesson. A lesson plan or a line that uh, gives us direction, but it's then when creativity takes over and it blossoms. And this may be actually go towards so many different directions. And that's what's the beauty of it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, I forgot, a, a student created an ad about Dream Recorder, an invention, a personal invention, but it sounded like amazing because it was like using all these strategies from marketing and advertising to talk about, don't worry about, if you forgot your dreams, you can remember it. Dream Recorder is here for you and it's on sale. And it was like, what? Amazing, amazing. That's why I was telling you, uh, don't be afraid to, to, I know, to take this risk and try something new because you will be simply amazed by your learner's creativity. Well, Armanda, you did amaze us today with all of these wonderful things you said. Um, So, yeah, Uh, we wish you all the best. Uh, Please continue being as inspiring as you are and even more, uh, because I think, you know, this is a real benefit to education and to your students as well. So I wish you all the best uh, to whatever you you do. And I hope that you're going to renew this appointment for the near future as well, to give us more info about your projects and inspiring teaching career thank you so much thank you it it was really exciting to be here and i really enjoyed every moment (laughs) thank you very much and i hope that um our listeners maybe have uh, i know spotted something interesting and some takeaways from them i'm sure they they did if they need any advice just uh, feel free to email me or to contact me Absolutely. I know that you're a very accessible person on social media. So, yeah. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you so much.